Hey everybody, I am Kamara Mikkel and welcome to episode number two of Conversations with Kamara, the podcast. Uh, I was, uh, give, give you a little history of myself, I was diagnosed back in 2005 with major depressive disorder, acute anxiety disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, the purpose of the podcast is to have open and honest dialogue about depression and anxiety. Some of the podcast is uh, are excerpts from my book, Kept My Enemy Closer, the true story of my 14-year battle with depression, and that will be some of the, the focus today. Let me give my hold harmless. I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a mental health therapist. I am not a clinician. I'm just someone who suffers from depression, and I want to spread the word that there is help out there. So with that being said, let's start the conversation. Some people have uh, written in to me and asked me, why did I write my book? The reason I wrote my book is because I wanted to explain the onset of what depression looked like at that point in time. Also, the heaviness of what I was feeling that day, uh, how I handled the initial diagnosis. And when I was diagnosed, I didn't want anyone to know how horrible I felt. And I think it's because I couldn't explain uh, what I was feeling. I just know that I was so heavy with depression. And also there was a life event and I felt embarrassed about what I was depressed about, which you will find out later what that is. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first paragraph of chapter 65. And chapter 65 is actually chapter 2 because my book is in descending order. So chapter 65, the title of the chapter is On E, like a gas gauge on E. On January 7th of 2018, Erin invited me to church with her at Rivers of Life in Brandon, Florida. I was pitifully depressed. It was reminiscent of April or May from 2005. When I tell you that I was in excruciating mental pain, I was. Even today, I can feel the heaviness and hopelessness of that day. At its worst, I had no will to breathe. Some may have looked at my life then and now and thought that it couldn't be that bad. It was that bad. I was paralyzed by depression and sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Something had to give. The despair was without end. Surely, this day would not end peacefully. On that day, my head was barely above water. I felt overwhelming dismay, sadness, and defeat. So I'm going to talk about this paragraph that day in church. I remember most of it like it was just yesterday. So uh, Emily, I'm sorry, Erin, in my book, she's she's Erin, sorry. Anyway, she, um, she came and picked me up for church. She was like, I want you to go to church. I'm like, okay. So I got dressed. Um, the guy that I was uh, dating, living with at that time, he wasn't home. And we went to, she and I went to church. And I remember church service was good the choir was singing the preacher was preaching and afterward it's like something moved me out of the pew but um, I found myself uh, crying and going up to the front of the church to join the church and I remember you know everybody's looking like oh my gosh she's praising God but really I couldn't stop crying I was so depressed so it to me when I think back now is like a certain little combination of I was moved by the music and I was moved by the sermon and oh, I probably should join this church. But then a lot of it was, God, I don't even know what else to do because I am so horribly depressed. And when I said I couldn't stop crying, oh my God. Like I said, I was at the front of the church, the pastor's there, the little, you know, church aides, deacons and deaconesses. And I remember the pastor must have said like, you know, what is your name? 
I couldn't stop crying. And I remember I had my hands up like I was praising God. So I guess I was praising God and um, not able to stop crying. And I just remember I was so down and depressed. So after a few minutes, I know he was like, well, come on. But he was uh, he was very kind and cordial. So eventually, so I wouldn't hold up, you know, everybody going home. I remember they took me to the back to little church uh, annex or whatever. So I'm back there. And I remember uh, they were at the one lady was asking me questions. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't answer. I don't know if I was able to even get Kamara McHale out of my mouth. I have no clue. And I think maybe about 10 minutes had gone by. And I remember El, uh, Aaron coming to the back where I was. And uh, she was just looking like, oh, my God, like you're still crying. So I think she kind of like smiled at me. Anyways, I don't know what I finished, but I really don't think they got much out of me. So I remember um, me and Aaron, you know, coming from the annex of the church and we were walking to her car to get ready to go. We were going to go out to eat. And I remember I was nervous because I knew I was going to check my phone. And when I was going to check my phone, I'm like, I hope he messaged me or called me. Or if he messaged me, I hope it's something nice. Well, it wasn't. So I got, we were in the car and I just remember this long text coming up on my phone. In my mind today, it's like equivalent to somebody like writing you a letter, like a one page letter, not double space, single space. And I just remember it was just all of this verbiage. And basically, I remember one part of it. He was uh, the guy, um, Christopher. He was saying, um, you know, I don't I don't want you and I don't even want you doing my laundry. It was like that was just the I was the very least of anything that he was concerned about. And I just remember feeling complete dismay and my heart was beat racing fast because that was part of the anxiety. And of course, the depression is because he didn't he didn't want me anymore. Um, and I literally could not handle that because to me. I thought, you know, at some point when we were together that we, we could have been just just fine. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read um, the second, uh, the first full paragraph on page 14 of my book. And that's still with the chapter 65 on E. So I put uh, on one particular night in March of 2017, I was heavily depressed about Kyle, my second husband. So Christopher and Kyle, two different people. I was driving down the road after leaving Kyle's job. He worked the overnight shift, even though I hated him and I hated Kyle because of what he had done to me in our marriage. Even though I hated him, I still wanted to see him sometimes because I missed him. We were close. We were friends. He had meant so much to me. But he was the same man that broke my heart into a thousand pieces. It was surreal. I had built a life with him. It was hard to accept that he threw my heart away. So this was in 2017 when I wrote this um, particular uh, paragraph for my book. And I remember, um, you know, there was a life, e another life event that I went through with uh, with Kyle. And as much as I hated him, it's like I couldn't understand because I still wanted to see him. I still wanted him to hug me and love me. And it's like, but my hatred is like a love hate kind of thing. I felt that he ruined my life and that I should want nothing to do with him. But I missed him. And I know that's kind of hard to explain. I don't know if anybody's been through that, but it's, it's literally a tug of war because on one side I loved him. And on the other side, I hated and despised him. So the next paragraph I'm going to uh, kind of read and talk about, um, it's talking about how when my depression is really bad, you know, I would just 
get in my car and I drive. I drive over to Clearwater. I drive to St. Pete. And eventually, eventually I would go back home. So I'm a, it's like, it's going to be three men involved. So one guy, Christopher, the mean guy, he was just mean. Uh, Kyle, who was my second husband, he was kind, but he hurt me. And then when I'm talking about um, driving in the car, at the onset of the depression, I was with my first husband. Um, what did I call him? London. He's London in the book. So the onset of depression in 2005, like I said, it was a life event. And I used to just really try to go to sleep. Um, I was on medication Nothing was working for me at all. And I would literally have my shower. I put on my pajamas, get in the bed, couldn't sleep, toss and turn for hours. But I get up with my night clothes on, go in my garage at my home with my first husband. And I just drive around in my pajamas two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Um, it was uh, I, I felt lonely. And I felt lonely, even though in the bed with me in 2005 was my first husband, London. But um, I, I had no no balance. It was like uh, all or nothing. So I know you're supposed to have some gray areas. My areas were white and black. There was absolutely no gray. And I remember my therapist that I had at that time and still have today. I remember her telling me, she said, you, you are rigid in your thought process with uh, white and black. She said, sometimes there's gray. She said, and sometimes there's a lot of gray. But, you know, eventually she was trying to teach me that I have to somehow uh, come up with um, a balance uh, for that. So um, even when I was talking about church, when I was depressed, I still knew that God loved me. Even with the depression of that day, I never, well, at least at that time, I didn't feel that God um, had left me. I felt that he... Um, that he knew how bad I was feeling and that it was almost okay because I couldn't get out of um, about, you know, I couldn't get out of my uh, feelings. So now I'm going to read um, the second full paragraph on page 14, chapter 65. And remember, it's in descending order. Um, I, uh, when my depression is really bad, for some reason, I get in my car and drive around for hours. It was common in my first marriage that I, like I said, would shower, try to sleep, couldn't sleep, get up, uh, and drive. So when I'm talking about, uh, Kyle, you know, the second husband, um, I could barely, that particular night I could barely see to drive because I was crying so badly and I, I couldn't go any further. So I'm at the corner, I think it was Palm River Road and 78th Street uh, in Tampa. And I just remember sitting there and crying and crying. And I remember thinking that I would be better off being dead. Really, that bad. So because I was weak and burdened, I was like, you know, I should just call 911. And, you know, people might think about calling 911 for mental health. I knew that if I didn't get help, it was not going to end good for me. I knew it. And I had no, I didn't want to harm anybody else, even though I was mad at, at uh, him. I didn't want to harm anybody. I just felt that there was no way that I could feel better. So um, I remember calling 911. It's kind of a little fuzzy. Calling 911. I don't remember seeing a police car, but I do remember a sheriff's deputy I guess he tapped on my window, and I don't even think that it startled me. So he tapped on my window, and I remember 
he, he, he identified himself as I'm deputy so-and-so with the Hillsborough County uh, Sheriff's Office. Um, I remember he uh, asked me, he didn't ask me if I was okay. He just said something like, uh, you know, could you tell me, you know, what it is, what's, what are you going through? And I'm sure I told him I was crying and said, my husband did whatever. And he said, I'm so sorry that you feel so bad. He said, what I'm going to do, he said, I'm going to open your car door. So I, I guess I must have rolled down my window when he first got there. So he said, I'm going to open your car door. He said, and I want you to, you know, to comfortably get out of the car. He said, and if you can't, I will help you out. And I think he literally helped me out of the car. And I remember, I don't, I think I kind of remember walking over to his police car, I think. And I just remember that he opened the door of his, uh, you know, the, the back of the car. And I remember, you know, I've never been in a police car before, but it was like really hard plastic. And I, I don't, I can't even tell you what that man, what that officer looked like. I just remember laying on my stomach and my face in the back seat of the police car. And I remember he didn't want me to uh, leave my car there. Uh, so he was like, is there anyone that um, you can call to come and get your car? Because I don't think it's going to be safe here. And believe it or not, I had a nice car. I didn't care if someone stole it. If when I got back, bricks were where, where the tires should have been. It didn't matter to me. I just knew how bad I felt. And I don't mean to harp on it. But really, it was just, um, it was horrible. I was sad and crying and I kept crying in the back seat of his car on that hard plastic seat. And I remember he, um, I guess he, he had my phone. I might have handed him my phone. And I'm sure that he said, well, who, you know, who, I couldn't talk. So he said, who do you, who do you want me to call? And I remember saying like, Michelle. So I remember him calling. I don't know what he said to her. And then I remember him. Um, I remember her coming to where I was, but I never looked at her because I was still crying stomach down, face down in the back seat of the police car. And um, he ended up taking me to a place, um, a mental health place. And I remember uh, getting there. And when I got there, I don't know if he even helped me out of the car at that time. I don't know. But he explained to me, he said, okay, he said, this is a, a mental health facility. He said, and I want you to, to you know, be here because I want you to, uh, to, I don't know if he said feel better or whatever, but he was so kind. I'll never forget him. And I remember getting out of the car, uh, out of his police car. I remember going inside to um, a mental health facility and when I got in there, I think some of the crying had subsided. And I remember uh, sitting down and then I remember going up to the window. It was like a, from what I remember, it's like a glass booth. I went to the window. The lady gave me a clipboard and a pen and a, a form to fill out. I filled out the form, took me a few minutes. I took it back up to the booth and I know that I was there at least one whole hour and nobody came to see about me at all. Nobody came to see about me. And I eventually ended up uh, calling my son. He was in town. I called him and sent him, gave him the, um, the address and asked him to please pick me up. I didn't want to call um, uh, the friend who you know came to get my car. I didn't want to call her even though I'm assured we were you know pretty close friends that she would have uh you know uh, come to help me out 
So I'm going to do this little review is just I'm going to uh, reiterate uh, the day at church. You know, I was crying. The choir was singing and the and church was good. I was so sad. Um, I was heavy with depression. I could not stop crying. I ended up joining the church and I explained to you all how the congregation was very uplifting. It was a wonderful spiritual experience, but I was so depressed. It was like I, I felt like the tears took over because I couldn't talk. That's just how bad I was crying. Um, and then after I joined the church, like I said, they took me to the annex to complete my membership. And I may have answered a question or two, but I couldn't stop crying. Um, at this point, um, I'm just trying to keep the uh, episodes, you know, to a, a, just an interesting point. I don't want to overdo it. So I'm going to close out now. And I want to say thank you all so much for um, joining me in the podcast of Conversations with Kamara today. I want you to please feel free to visit my website, conversationswithkamara.com. Conversations is with a K. So Conversations with Kamara, K-A-M-A-R-A.com. Um, And I have some good news to share with you. Um, A corporation has sponsored uh, five of my books to go out to people who suffer from depression and anxiety. So if you suffer, um, I ask that you please go to the website conversationswithkamara.com and drop me a line in the contact page um, of the website. And please leave me your complete mailing address, name, street address or P.O. box, city, state and your zip code, please and your first and last name. I think that's required on the contact page. Um, And also, um, you can send your questions to me and um, personal replies. I don't know if I can do that, but I will try to work in your question in uh, the upcoming um, episodes of the podcast. So um, next time, we're going to talk about um, the next chapter, which is chapter 64, which is really the third chapter of the book, because what it's in descending order. Again, thank you. And please contact a professional should you need to have an absolutely wonderful day.